Hi, I'm Joseph. And I'm TJ. And this is Hi-Fi. TJ, how you doing, sir? I'm doing better than you, apparently. I didn't I wasn't ever without power or anything. Yeah. Welcome to episode eight, where we have the internet back. It was a closed call. I lost a few days of the internet. Uh, people had to catch me up because I missed everything. I missed billions of tweets. And uh, <laughs> that might have been good anything. for my that could have been good for my health. You, you do know that there's a presidential election tomorrow, right? Or as we record this, as, as this comes out, it's the day that we're that it comes out. We're recording mm. the night before, so mm-hmm. there may not be a. From what I understand, at least according to Twitter, there may not be a world to, after tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But you know, we're going to release this and hope that you enjoy it while you're biting your nails, waiting on tenterhooks for the results of the election. And we do hope that if the world is coming to an end, that you're listening to our podcast before it's too late. So. Yeah, what a way to go out, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, in the precursor leaving, leading up to the end of the world, last week it was, I think it was Thursday, maybe? Maybe it was Tuesday night. I, I wasn't paying close attention. You know, all these days during quarantine, man, you can't keep track of what day of the week it is. What, what, what's a day, anyway? Let's get philosophical yeah. for a minute, Joe. <clears throat> well, it's uh, the opposite of... Uh, I have forgotten. It's the opposite of whatever is happening in the 2020. Uh, okay, so <laughs> Tuesday night, I think it was, it was like four o'clock in the morning and I was woken up by the thunder and lightning. Here in Georgia, we were hit by a tropical, a tropical storm called Zeta. And I was actually surprised to find that friends I have that live closer to the East Coast were not hit by it because Zeta kind of came up on the southern side of georgia and hit more people in the metro atlanta area it hit the atlanta area really well so we lost power pretty quickly it was coming off and on again multiple times by five o'clock i i heard like the tv click off and back on four or five times and i could not sleep for that hour and then i fell asleep again soon after five o'clock and when we got up the next morning, we didn't have power and we didn't have internet. Of course, we heard all kinds of crazy gusts of wind outside while we were sleeping. So everybody is wondering if we're going to lose trees and we look outside and there were some big branches knocked down, but I didn't see any trees fallen. I have friends who lost uh, one tree and two trees and three trees in their property from the same tropical storm. But we were fortunate. But in the backyard, the internet connecting line to the telephone pole was drooping over the backyard. It's just, it's just a few feet off the ground. So it's still connected to the house and it's connected to the telephone pole. And I got to tell the kids they can't go outside to play because I don't because want them to the, die. Because the line's a little sleepy and droopy. Mm-hmm. Don't want them to yeah. die that way. No, that so, would be bad. So we end up contacting AT&T, but also our telephone or our power company in case they want to help us out because they, uh, they're they good like that. And I really do like my power company. So we, fo- we start paying attention to the news and word gets out that over 600,000 Georgia homes lost power. 
And this is the most since a tropical storm in the early 90s. So we wait and don't get power that day, Wednesday. And we don't have any power Thursday. So we take everything out of the freezer and the fridge and take it over to my parents' house so that we can use their nice big freezer because they have power so the, and they're only they about have power. Okay. Yeah, uh, 15 minutes away. So we fill up a couple of ice chests and my wife says, you just, you wait. As soon as we get this over to your parents' house, the, the power's going to come back. We got home and we're sitting in the garage, um, watching some television off of my iPad. And, uh, we, we wanted to go outside because at least we had a little bit of light if we opened up the garage door. Whereas if we were inside, it was just like an awkward, dark, <laughs> pitch black inkiness in the family room. It felt a little bit creepy. And it was also getting stuffy in the house by this point after two days of not having any air circulation. And then while we were watching, I think it was maybe, <clears throat> what would it have been? We were watching something on YouTube when all of a sudden the, I heard the printer, the home printer turned on over in the corner. And we, we, it was kind of jarring. We just didn't realize, oh, that means the power's back. <laughs> I'm not used to being in my garage when the power kicks on. Then, uh, so then the next day it's Friday and we've already communicated with both AT&T and our electric company about the drooping line from the house. And then my wife calls AT&T and she explains the situation to them in addition to the ticket I put in on their website. And they, they act like, okay, okay, so what you're saying is, is that you don't have data and you need us to fix that. Well, yes, but we also said <laughs> there is a drooping line from the house. Oh. <sighs> So my wife brought it up in one of the neighborhood chats groups uh, for the area here in our area, don't be creepy, of Metro Atlanta, Georgia. And in the group, they uh, she tells the story and they said, you know, we actually have a pretty similar situation. This other woman that lives nearby, she says, we have a pretty similar situation with AT&T. Several years ago, we wound up with uh, that drooping line from our house and we contacted them several times. They never did anything about it. So we coiled the the hanging line ourselves because it completely came undone. And we just wound it up and sat it next to the house. <laughs> I know that's it's, it's, it's not supposed to be a power line, but that like sounds scary. Yeah, yeah, it does. I, I can imagine that that metal could hurt somebody. <laughs> Don't want any kids playing with it. So yeah, well that that seems like I mean I'm you know me I'm not a big fan of uh, getting you know police involved where not necessary, but it seems like you might need to file some reports about mm -hmm. negligence. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think you're right. I, I don't want to do that. I want them to do their job. But if they're not going to, I, I'm already talking about switching to a new T-Mobile service for home internet, and it looks promising. So so this this entire situation sounds very, you know, getting to the theme of the podcast, it seems very unconducive to living a high-fidelity lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, no. And the home internet works. You know, AT&T and my – I haven't had a lot of experience with them in the last – many years except for home internet when I wasn't forced to use Comcast. Mm -hmm. So AT&T was the better of two evils. 
And I guess I, mm-hmm. you know, so in my old place, when I lived in a different place than from what I live now, not the previous place, but the place before that, just to be very vague, um, <laughs> I had, uh, I had AT&T DSL. It was the only thing available to me for a while, but then I uh, was able to get Comcast cable. Um, and I never experienced any problems with Comcast. It was, it was loads way faster uh, than um, than AT and T DSL, which was the only oh, other good. internet service available except for satellite, and that's awful. I just never experienced problems with Comcast the way people talk about. So I don't know. What happened in my case was we had Comcast cabling buried in our yard, and as the the rain would actually wash away and erode the yard just a little bit, the cabling would come up out of the yard. Oh, and no. I wouldn't be able to see it while cutting the grass, and I would Uh-oh. cut the Comcast cable. Okay, that's and then bad. we would tell them again, and sometimes they would, <laughs> DJ, we would tell them what the point was, why they were coming out. The, the technician comes out, and he uh, asks, what's the problem? And we say, we, you know, the cabling is cut again. You know, that's what we already told you what the problem was. And he goes, oh, well, let me look at it. And he looks at it and goes, you know, yeah, your, uh, your cabling has been cut. Yeah, yeah, that's what we told you. And they'd say, okay, well, we're going to have to schedule another another appointment and get other hardware because I don't have it today. Get out of town. Come on. (sighs) So, yeah, that sort of thing happened multiple times. Yeah, that sounds like one of the horror stories here at Comcast and their awful technicians. So so you're considering this T-Mobile home internet thing. Um, for those who don't know, T-Mobile has been piloting and trialing this home internet. So it's based on LTE. I assume very soon in the future it'll be based on 5G, which is very exciting to me. And it's certainly worth considering. It's not available in my area. I've checked. Uh, but I also – it could just be because I had to put in a phone number and I put in mine, and maybe they're not offering it to me um, because I checked your address too and it said it wasn't available. But you said you talked to somebody at T-Mobile and they said it was available. Yeah, so earlier today while I was talking to T-Mobile about – getting my uh whatever the deal could be for trading in my current iPhone to get an iPhone 12 or 12 Pro they were telling me about the home internet as well and I, I asked them actually it wasn't like they forced a sales pitch on me and one of the things about it I thought it was intriguing is that unlike AT&T that you, if you have your home router you've purchased for yourself good for you I I haven't gone that way I haven't gone nerdy enough with my home router to get like the Eero setup. I've really wanted. Wait, Eero. wait, wait. So, so you're you're relying mm-hmm. on the modem providing Wi-Fi from whatever server service provider you have, AT and T, I guess. AT and T. Yeah. You know those things are garbage, right? Oh, I know they're garbage. Yeah. And and that being said, it it gets me by. I actually don't have a major struggle. I don't require like a hundred gigabit or megabit down, and you know. 50 70 megabit up for my work on a regular basis and between my kids my wife and i we actually run into very few bottlenecks for all of our internet usage so what is your typical speed test at this time with at&t let me look at it because it's been a good long time since i so you're going to destabilize our 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 uh, voip connection with your speed test yeah okay this is how you talk this is how you do the podcast. Are we podcasting like professionals yet? <laughs> yes. So yeah, the website is loaded now. Okay, so we got downloading at 41 megabits per second. That's awful, Joseph. It's terrible. It, it's, it, it is sad, but it's not hurting me. 
like I can't read it that many words per minute. So we're doing just fine. <laughs> I, as, long um, as, as long as I can keep up with it. Yeah, I require faster internet than that. Um, I, I'm sad that the fastest I can get here, I'm going to speed test it right now. I can tell you what I normally get is 170 to 180. It's supposed to be 200 down, but, you know, there's losses in between certain time. you know, in certain times a day is slower than others. Like everybody's home right now, so I'm only getting 120 down. Um, but normally I get during the day, I'll get 150 to 170 and sometimes 180 if I'm lucky. Um, so yeah, and I have charter where I'm at. That's what's available in our neighborhood. And I get, uh, about nine, eight to nine megabits per second up. So it's asymmetric, very asymmetric. Um, I'm well, I get better than that. I, yeah, I can get a little bit better than that on going up. So, oh, what, what, uh, are, is, it's not DSL. Is it DSL is not that fast. What do you have? Mm, I honestly can't tell you. I just have one of those generic tiers of AT&T home internet. It was the default, not the high speed. They'll they'll call it high speed. And then when you say, well, can you get me anything faster? Then they'll offer you the other one that's like 100 megabits down. Mm. And mm-hmm. maybe maybe it's uh, fiber. I, th- I think that there is AT&T fiber now in my area. But oh. when I talk to AT&T, oh, 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 I, I remember now, TJ, I have a very good excuse for using slower internet. Uh-huh. So when we moved here two years ago, AT&T said, we actually don't have fiber in your neighborhood. And then we talked about options and AT&T was the only option for our home address. So that made the choosing easy. So we got the normal default package. And again, this was where they could guarantee us something like, quote, 50 megabits per second. Then we waited to see those kinds of speeds in the first week and we never got them. So we talked to the neighbors and we talked to the AT&T technician when he came out the first time to see why we weren't getting the promised speed. And he said, yeah, I'm really sorry to tell you, but... Your neighborhood is in an odd situation because, well, we have the lines that meet the the front of the neighborhood. It, it's really a long stretch, and it's very hard to get the internet into your neighborhood. So there's uh, yeah. extra cabling, there's extra feet of it, and we can't get you the faster stuff. We can bear. We weren't even sure that we could reach your home, and it's like, dude, my house is in the middle of the neighborhood. If you can't reach my house, how are you reaching the cul-de-sac, you know, a mile down the street? So then it was maybe in the last eight months that I can say that they added fiber, but I'm not interested in fiber at this point because I found I can actually survive with what I have. I mean, I I could do better, but double what I'm paying right now for fiber. Totally. would. Yeah. But Absolutely. What would, would be a? What are the practical ways that it would actually make a difference? Like it's like I said, I I haven't run into many bottlenecks. I, I mean, we can stream Netflix, Disney Plus. We are playing online games like uh, Fortnite without any hassle. Higher quality streams, uh, <laughs> and just okay. like the general speed. Like I suppose I do my work on the internet, and so sometimes I'm having to upload things, and I the asymmetric cable it really annoys me when I'm uploading, especially because I get eight eight to eight to nine megabits per second up, and that's it. And, mm-hmm. and downloads can be a bottleneck too if I'm trying to download large amounts of files or something, or download something for work, or upload something for work. And so I would definitely pay for fiber and i'm just a nerd i just want faster 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 (laughs) and the cap that i have the fastest internet i can get in my neighborhood at this time is um uh, fiber i'm sorry is cable there's fiber in other network uh, neighborhoods in my 
area, but not in my neighborhood. So I'm in a little bit older neighborhood. Uh, so you'll anyway, get I, it in the next year. You want to trade? If, I'll, if the I'll world get survives another another week, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, for sure. So Your house I did is find bigger. out. I'd be happy to trade you. <laughs> <laughs> so I did find out that the um, maximum theoretical speed of DSL apparently is 115, 115 megabits per second. I think that's faster than it was back when I had DSL. I think the fast so the technology has advanced some. Um, but cable, on the other hand, is a thousand megabits per second theoretical max, and so I hope maybe they'll bring that. And that's the other thing is Charter has their their what they call their gig service, right? Which again is not available in my neighborhood because I'm in an older neighborhood and they'd have to redo all the cabling. And, uh, <laughs> so anyway, T-Mobile home internet is interesting to me. I will tell you though, Joe, I don't. You you did a uh, speed. You sent me a, a screenshot of your speed test on LTE on T-Mobile. Um, T-Mobile is the best service in Spring Hill and it is, that's where I live and don't be creepy. And it is, um, faster than any of the other carriers and it's perfectly fine when I'm out and about, but I don't speed test that fast. So it certainly is not a candidate to replace my current home internet at this time. I'm interested to see what they do with 5G, but 5G is not yet in my area on T-Mobile. Funnily enough, it it is on other carriers, which T-Mobile was the first to get 5G anywhere, but they never brought it to my area. I'm soon. I'm, I'm thinking they will very soon. But How anyway, we have five G. We can see the cell tower from my home, and I get the best service I've ever had of T-Mobile. I've been on T-Mobile for maybe eight years, and yeah. this house has been by far and away the best reliable connection, and it is so fast. While we were without home internet, we were doing a lot of hot spotting and with our various devices. And it, it could get us by. It, it wasn't the end of the world. Although the the example of, you know, you know, I'm sharing my iPhone internet connection with my Mac and my MacBook and my iPad Pro. And the one thing that was really bad was looking at the resolution on videos. So... Well, T-Mobile throttles. I mean, most carriers do. I think all the carriers do at this point. They're, they they detect the type of traffic that's traveling over their network, and they will lower mm-hmm. the bit rate for that sort of thing. And, and that's to help. I mean, because wireless still is a congested, um, you know, it, it's a congested kind of a thing. You can get congestion and too many people doing too much traffic, and it's more the bandwidth is uh, a more of a problem than it is with wired internet, which is why you typically, unless you're AT and T, you don't have caps on your wired internet. Um, AT&T is the only one I know of that does that. All the other wired internet providers don't have caps. Um, and so because it's just not really – they don't worry too much about congestion. Like even now, like it used to be with cable, a huge thing in, in large neighborhoods that um, you would have slowdowns when everybody was at home. And I get a little bit slower, like I said, in the evening when everybody's home, but not not like it used to be at all. Like I, I lose 20 or 30 megabits per second and that's about it. So, yeah, I, I, um, I'm excited to see. I, I do think wireless technology will surpass wired at some point, but I think that that is still in the future. But I do think T-Mobile Home Internet is a great option for people who can't get faster internet. Like I know people who live in, in rural areas, and T-Mobile's starting to re- have a really big push into rural areas, and they're relying on satellite for their internet, and it is indeed awful. So it could be interesting to see where, where, this, where this technology goes. There's still yeah. a latency problem too. Um, latency has a lot to do with how fast your internet is perceived to be. Or, because when you make a request with a browser, for instance, it's not just, it's not, you know, you think of it as a human is, I make a request, it goes out, and then it sends me everything back. No, no, no. What you don't understand, and I can tell you as a web developer is, you're doing lots of back and forth. The web browser communicates, and then it receives a packet, and it's communicating back and forth all the time. So your latency in that communication makes a big difference in perceived speed as well. 
And that's still a problem for wireless technologies. LTE has the lowest latency until five, I assume 5G has less latency. I've looked less into this, but LTE has the lowest latency of any, huh. of, of any cell provider, uh, cell type, type of network to date. And it's still more latency than you get with cable or, or fiber or something like that. Huh. The more you know. Yeah. Yeah. We're really happy you know. with what we've got. Speaking of the more you know, did you know, knowing, knowing more about one more thing? Did you know that that's a thing, Joe? I, I tried to make that transition. It didn't really work. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first time I did check Twitter today, speaking of Twitter, oh, by the way, I did get my home internet back last night. So, okay, good, good, good. That is how we are podcasting today. Not yeah, doing I assume you would have called me and said, hey, we can't, we can't podcast if we can't get internet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, one more thing, Joe. One more thing. Yeah, and then we're, we're going to wrap this podcast up, right? No, this was from Apple. They have a new One More Thing event they announced, and I got the invitation in my email today. It's all over Twitter. There's going to be one more event from Apple next week. So yes. this is most likely all about Apple Macs, MacBooks, new processors, Big Sur, announcing a date. When are we going to get them? What can you buy for Christmas? with yeah. the new Apple processors. I am extremely excited uh, because we, we we're, I'm pretty sure at least that it is going to be some silicon ba- Apple silicon based Mac, right? An ARM based Mac. Yeah. Um and be- because they've said that there will be a ARM based Mac um this year before the end of the year. So certainly surely that's what the event is about. Um I'm excited for Apple Silicon. I'm also going to avoid the first Apple Silicon Macs, the first generation of these Macs like the plague. Because <laughs> <laughs> I want them to work the kinks out of that whole thing. I remember when Apple switched to Intel, um, I was excited about it. And I also, even at that time, even I was much younger and I still knew, like, let, let's wait. And even the second generation of Intel Mac, which is what one of the ones that I got, it, it was still kind of slow, and I don't think they hit all the software wasn't ported over yet, and it was not running natively on the processor. Yeah. Rosetta was good, but it wasn't great, right? And so that has yet to be seen how good Rosetta is actually going to be, and how soon the developers will get on the bandwagon, and whether there's going to be quirks and bugs to the you know because the software does have to be updated to run on uh, Apple Silicon, and so is there going to be bugs introduced because of the different processor? And we don't we just don't know these things, and are they going to last as long? Because you know. Apple seems really good at making processors, but you know they've never made a processor this big on on this scale before. So we'll have to see. I'm excited about it, though. Yeah, it is pretty exciting. And like you said, the second and third generation is going to be the one I think that you're going to see the the uh, how we I guess the professional users and the nerds get more excited about because this first gen would be where you see. More people doing experiments, more tests. They would get these things to make sure that their third-party developer suites and applications run on it. They would try to make sure that it was robust for everyone. In the, you know what, what Apple's going to do is they'll start selling it from Apple.com and in their retail stores. And the unwitting masses are going to probably be the majority of people buying it, wouldn't you say? And then it's going to be the nerds that hold off a little bit longer? Or is it going to be the other way around because it's new and interesting? So the the geeks are going to be the first inclined to buy something that is uh, new and different. Because the promise is that 
when Apple explained what the potential was, it's going to be a much faster Mac than anything that Intel has offered us in 2020. So the yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that speed. Apple's really spoke to the speed yet. Um, and but here's the thing: you've got to believe that Apple would not be doing this unless they were able to blow this market out of the water. Because what's the point, right? If 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 they're not able to blow away the Intel Macs, if they didn't think they could really had, if they didn't have really something to bring to the table, why would they do it? Um, mm-hmm. So you got to think that what they're doing is going to be really good for the Mac. And and honestly, Intel's kind of lost their way. Um, Apple is now running circles around them in their mobile chips for sure, without question. Like, you know, the uh, the iPad benchmarks, it's, it's a little hard to compare apples and oranges, but the raw computing power of the processors that Apple is making and putting in the iPads just blow away the Intel processors. So, and and that's a that's a mobile power conserving chip, right? You've got to think when Apple is less constrained about that sort of thing, and they have more power available. Um, they've already been manufacturing chips that are really good with power conservation, and when they don't have to do that nearly as much, they're going to be great. They're going to be in, uh, fantastic chips. So, I'm I'm really excited to see what they what they do. They, they, they've got they've got something to bring to the table. Can you remind me the M1 chips that they were using for the MacBooks that were discontinued? Yeah, they were discontinued a few years, uh, maybe a year ago or so. Wasn't that line Apple uh, processors for those slim? Uh, 12 inch macbooks in the first place because i remember that go around nobody was excited about those processors those were intel processors um and so they were intel's m1 processors um i believe they were called m1 but yeah my uh for, for instance my wife's macbook uh has one of those intel mobile processors and they are not great they get I'm so sorry to hear that (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they get a little warm one. and they're and they're really slow. Well, she still has it. Like it's her computer. It's fine. It works just fine, but it's a little slow and it gets a little warm. Um, so and it has no fan. Uh, and it so uh, Intel just doesn't do well with with those sorts of scenarios, and they haven't been doing well overall. Meanwhile, Apple's uh, fabbing process for their chips has has surpassed Intel. Intel, I believe, is still on. Did Intel ever launch a seven nanometer? I think they did, and, and Apple's fabbing at five nanometer. So like. Intel for a long time had the corner of the market on the fabbing of, of you know their their whole process of of shrinking everything down. Um, so obviously, the the more you can shrink it, the more transistors you can fit in in the space, and the faster the processor will be, and you can do it you know more efficiently and with less heat and all this stuff. And and Intel has just been struggling. And I, I don't think honestly Intel is long for this world. I think they'll continue to ride the wave for a while. That they've you know they still have the the, they're resting on their laurels. They still have the clout, right? They still have the name, but eventually that's going to give way if they don't. And, and they've lost Apple as a customer. If they had been doing good work, I don't think Apple would have bothered. But Apple's recommitment to the Mac, I think, has forced them to say, you know what, if we're going to recommit to the Mac, we can't continue to, to lean on the Intel train. Now, what's going to be interesting for me is um, a lot of my tooling, for instance, Docker. So Docker is how I run uh, all of my uh, development environments for the the lamp or the lamp stack so nginx php uh, mysql mm-hmm. and so that's all intel based software at least the servers that it oh. runs on are intel based huh. and so it's it's virtualization software and so it's virtualizing on the intel processor now i have no doubt because there are there are arm based versions of nginx and arm based i think php will compile for arm so I think that they'll be able to sort it out, but but it's that's another reason I'm going to avoid these Macs for a while is because the tooling is just all designed for Intel-based processors. 
So it's going to be interesting yeah. to see what happens. And for that kind of reason, the professionals are on, are far less likely to buy in on the first generation, but they're going to be really excited to see if they can blow all of the speed tests out of the water and processing potential. And and I, I could see myself maybe the video professionals getting excited because they would do a demo showing Final Cut Pro 10 and uh, Logic Pro 10 running some insane number of tracks to mm-hmm. do some special effects live on uh, color grading for 8K footage. And all of us are going to be saying, well, if we only knew that we could rely upon it for our everyday workflows and get by, then yeah, maybe Apple, we would get this new so thing today. My, I would, if, if I were a betting man and if I had a lot of money to bet, I would bet heavily that there will be a Final Cut Pro demo in this event if it features an Apple Silicon Mac. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's going to, it's going to be blazing fast. Now, the thing is, most professionals of a lower to mid-range tier are going to be developing on Premiere. And, uh, it'll be, you know, Adobe has been very, um, slow to port for <laughs> Apple transitions in the past, particularly the PowerPC to Intel transition. Because now the, the difference was Adobe had come from the era before Mac OS X, and so they had built on the Carbon API, which was a much easier API to transition into Mac OS X than the Cocoa API. Cocoa would have been a rewrite. Carbon was not – it was more like a couple of weeks' work versus you know a year's work. <laughs> and so they were very slow because they were caught flat-footed. Uh, Adobe in particular, when we went to Intel. So maybe they're in a different position now. I hope they're using more modern toolkits and, and they'll be able to just click the button and compile an Xcode and Photoshop and Premiere and all those applications will be on Apple Silicon. And and Apple and Adobe have been more cozy lately than they used to be. So we'll see. But there's just a lot of question marks still. As excited as I am, a lot of question marks. So for the event itself, Apple Silicon Max, I think, is a lock, don't you? Yep, I'm in. Okay, so, yeah, so MKBHD, Marquez Brownlee, uh, MKBHD on Twitter, he says, what I'm, and he, he, you know, tends to know things. He says, what I'm expecting, first, the first Apple Silicon Max, what I'm hoping for, AirPods Studio, um, my understanding is that's the over-the-ear AirPods that everybody wants, uh, maybe AirTags, macOS Big Sur finally launching, um, that's his predictions, um, Arnold Kim, also he runs Mac Rumors. Uh, he mentioned on October 13th, so we'll meet back here for a November in November for a Mac event. And then today he retweeted that and said, "Yep." <laughs> so he think he thinks Mac, uh, our Macs are a lock. Um, yeah, and uh, then Josh Centers from uh, is it Tidbits? Um, yes, I <laughs> Tidbits. I should know, but he's a friend of mine. Uh, so he said, uh, I, Apple Silicon, Colin, I think you'll see something familiar like a MacBook Air and also something totally new that justifies the platform switch. And so what I, what that kind of got my gears turning. And what I said is I thought my money is on a, on a touchscreen, um, it would make interacting with iOS slash iPad apps on the Macs make complete sense. Um, I would, I would like to see a full range hinge to go with that. So you can kind of flip it around and the, the keyboard bottom part of the computer would act as a stand for that um touch screen but and we've seen that sort of form factor in other laptops um as well particularly the yoga book um who makes the yoga book i'm trying to remember yoga book the yoga um, book 
the Lenovo yoga laptops. They have the whole the, the uh. whole the screen can flip all the way around. And you know, Apple's current laptop lines, they only bend the, that screen only goes so far back and it's kind of annoying. Um mm-hmm. so I'd like to see a full rotation on that hinge. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? That makes perfect sense. Maybe an Apple Pencil would work on there. I don't think it's going to happen. I would like to see better better battery power and better internal microphones, speakers, those kinds of things excite us creative professionals. Sure, sure. Well, I think that we will absolutely see about 15 to 16 hours of battery life on on ARM-based laptops. That's exciting. Yeah, I, I I think that that I think that has to be part of the story, right? As Apple is switching to a more efficient processor, their own processors running the ARM architecture, which is a more efficient, eh, arguably a more efficient architecture, um, you know, risk-based processor, and um, certainly I think better battery life while while giving you more power is going to be the story. I, I think just hope it's, we, uh, yeah. Well, I was going to say, I think it's unlikely that we're going to get any kind of new design overhaul, but do you think that it is possible? But I just don't see it happening, this first gen, especially on their MacBooks. Uh, maybe, but I think that this is an, a good time. Like, if you're going to introduce the ARM-based uh, Mac, this is, a, and you're introducing iOS and iPad apps on the Mac with uh, Apple Silicon, it's true. I think it's, it's the time to make it a touchscreen. And I know Apple's mm. been really like, oh, we don't do touchscreens on the Mac, it's the wrong, and I, like, I completely disagree with that. And and I think that at this point, that Apple has to disagree with that too. It's just a line they keep repeating. But although we haven't heard them say that in a long time. So, uh, on, the, on that note, to bolster your theory... I have a suggestion. See, when yes. they put out the event announcement and invitation and it says one more thing, that's the headline of the invitation. That is saying a lot because when they talked about Big Sur earlier this year and they told us we would get Apple's own processors on a Mac before the end of the year, they kind of gave it away. They've already told us what the one more thing is because that's what everybody is think is thinking they're thinking that apple's going to announce and we are bringing you today the first max with apple's chips but that that's already something we knew that's not one more thing so if they don't have headphones in order and they don't want to blow away the world with their what are they called those uh those tags you know for you know, our uh what are they called again where they're going to have all the, these tags that can um, track location, maybe use for finding your well, phones and other devices? everybody's calling them AirTags. And I believe, AirTags, the reason, yes. I believe the reason for that is they've found references to AirTags in Apple's code. Which is very exciting. But it, yeah. it's not exciting that enough for everybody to rush out and buy those things for their holiday shopping. Yeah. So if, so if we're thinking about what is one more thing that is more compelling – it's not going to just be that we have yet another MacBook and this now has Apple processors and performance speed that would excite the professionals. What would excite a lot of the people working from home, though, who already have a Mac or two, but they need one more because their children are doing school at home and now mom and dad are doing work from home <laughs> would be a much nicer design. So that I could see making it more of a possibility that we would get some kind of new design for a MacBook. Yeah, and I I you know, whether we'll see a touchscreen at first or not, I my money is on them introducing a touchscreen laptop with uh ARM. I mean, the, the, I think that's that's the final step is in getting touchscreens to 
the I think that with Intel-based architecture, it was harder to integrate all that, and they were doing all this stuff with the T2, but even so, like all that all that stuff is harder. But when you're switching fully to Apple's control ecosystem, they've already got touchscreens integrated with their system on a chip and stuff like that in, in iPhones and iPads. I think it becomes an easier proposition, and I, I feel like that's the final thing to click into place. Maybe we won't see it in the first generation. I don't know. But I can also tell you, here's my other pitch. Here's my other argument. Look at, and for better or worse in some cases, look at the design of Big Sur. And look at the spacing between menu items and pull-down menus, for instance, from the menu bar. You can't tell me that stuff isn't designed with touch in mind. <laughs> like, the spacing just just screams, you can touch this, and it'll be fine. You can yeah, use your big, fat, meaty, pokey fingers and that don't ha- that aren't very accurate in, in, in fine details, and you'll hit it, and it'll be fine. I think a lot of ma- a lot of so much of Big Sur's design screams I'm a touch based operating system, um, and again for better or worse in some cases and and there are certainly some things that I hope they tone down in Big Sur and and here's the thing too a lot of people love to talk about how well Mac OS just isn't designed for touch based stuff and that's why Apple hasn't been interested in bringing touch to to Macs and 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 you know John Gruber especially loves to talk about the spacing and you know it's designed for an exact pointer like the mouse and not an imprecise pointer like your fingers and here's the thing i there's certainly ways in which windows has executed this poorly but in general look at how in windows elements change the way they behave based on what, what whether you're using your fingers or whether you're using a mouse when you press and hold on something that brings up a context menu in windows 10 on a touch based tablet or touch screen the menu items are spaced much further apart than if you right-click with a mouse. The operating system can tell whether you're using the touchscreen or the mouse, and so it seems to me that Apple could think about doing some of the same things in Big Sur. Um, that the current spacing of the menu indicates to me they're not thinking that way. They're just thinking, well, it's going to be able to do both, uh, just with this one, you know, one size fits all approach. And you know, I'm sure we'll see some refinement of that, but I I think that everything is pointing to a touchscreen Mac, and I and I hope so too because iOS is really good in the context that it's in. It's it's a little less good on the iPad, so it's really good on the iPhone. I have really no major complaints with I I have complaints. You know, I have complaints, but I have nothing that's like <laughs> earth shatteringly bad about iOS on on uh, iPhone or or the smaller touch based devices. When you, get, when you scale it up to iPad, and they've done a remarkable job over the years of refining the interface on the iPad, but even still, it's a pretty limited setup. The most apps you can have on screen at once is three um, when, when you do a slide over and you have a split screen of two apps, right? And right. that's just not enough for a lot of the professional stuff that I do every day. I'm using multiple apps all day, every day, and I switch between them fluidly. And, you know, it's just part of my w- lifestyle with Mac OS. And I just can't see, unless iOS changes fundamentally, how it could ever meet my professional needs on the desktop. So hmm. I think bringing the Mac into the touchscreen based era is the only way forward if they're going to stay in that space and in that market. So I'm, yeah. I'm both rooting for it, and I think the signs are there. Uh, is it some of it wishful thinking? Maybe. I don't know. But that's where I'm at, Joe. It's a good prediction. I like it. And I do hope that that comes true. That is more exciting than anything else like, you know, we got a new 16-inch MacBook Pro this year, and I know that we got better keyboards. And Big Sur is a good design change. It means a lot uh, about the Mostly. software looks different. Yeah. We are getting iOS apps on the Mac. That's new. 
So it would be pretty compelling to do new features. And I, I think that the obvious one is touching the the Mac screen. So the, you may be onto something. That makes a lot of sense. If they did it, it, in hindsight, it'll just be obvious. Like, well, of course they did. Yeah. There's been a lot of that with Apple lately. In hindsight, you're like, well, we never thought Apple would do this, but they did it anyway, and it makes sense. Um, I, I So I really think that it, whether it's this cycle or next, we're going to see touch-based Macs. Um, yeah, I, I just think it has, it has to happen. Yeah, because what they could do is they could say, we are showing you a preview of it now and expect it to be available sometime in the middle of 2021. Hmm. You don't think they'll launch it this year? I know that they'll launch one of the Mac-based uh, processor MacBooks, but it, I could well, see it going either way if it's touch-friendly or not. I, I see. But mm. announcing a touchscreen-based Mac would fulfill your thing. So you and I were chatting earlier when we, when we saw that Apple was doing this event, and you were saying you felt like it had to be something that nobody knew about in order for it to be a, quote, one more thing event. Um, because when you're you're positing that when Apple uses one more thing, it's to announce something that nobody was expecting or or didn't really predict or or, or something like that. It's much more likely because nobody knows anything about Apple glasses or Apple Car mm. or Apple's mm-hmm. headphones. Even if we want to say that that's the one more thing, because Apple officially hasn't told us anything in the rumor mill. We know a lot about the headphones supposedly. But we haven't seen them. So even if they wanted to announce something like a VR headset, then that could oh, be a please. one more thing. Which I'm not. I'm not saying that that's what, where it's going to go. I'm just saying that if they've already talked about Big Sur and their own processor-based uh, Macs, and then their event is saying one more thing, then that cannot be the one more thing. There has to be another one more thing that we don't know anything <laughs> about officially. At the Apple Space Shuttle program, taking people to Mars. I'd go. I'd go with Apple to Mars before I'd go with te- uh, Elon Musk. So yeah. yeah, I'd go. I'd go anywhere where there wasn't an election happening. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Thursday. Thursday's just around the corner. Okay, this should take maybe five minutes, and then we can get to the quote main topic if we still have time. Which is <laughs> sure. M- Mac rumors reports that Apple is quote stepping up efforts end quote to develop alternate alternative to google search how do you feel about this joe and i know you're a DuckDuckGo user aren't you yes i use DuckDuckGo probably 15 percent ish of the time you know it's it's in there because i'd like to hop to it for various browsers whether on Mm. my phone or ipad or my computer but what i have found is that there are some conveniences for using google a lot of the time Mm -hmm. and i already have to go to google for things like google image searches so I'm going to be in Google part of the time anyway. But then there are other advantages of doing things like I think they call them bangs, where you just use the exclamation point and then you type uh, I, and then you can do that uh, like a a, a, a a more secure search of Google image search uh, beginning from DuckDuckGo to go there. So depending on which browser it is and what I I prefer for the kind of search I'm doing, like I like to have examples like 
the uh, exclamation point W to do a search for something obscure on Wikipedia immediately so that I don't have to go to Wikipedia first and then go, do a search there. Uh, DuckDuckGo is what, what I'm saying is, is that DuckDuckGo actually is just a little bit more uh, convenient in its own right and, and more private. So I like DuckDuckGo for that reason. But on my phone, I have Google search in Safari and DuckDuckGo search in Brave. So that's sort of what I'm doing. So yeah, I I feel like Apple going into search is a distraction, and I I really want Apple. Yes, it's a distraction from their core competencies. I want them to continue to make great hardware. I want them to improve and make better software like they used to. And I feel like trying. And and we know that Apple's bad at services, and search is another service. And they've gotten better at some services, but in general, services I prefer other company services. Google services, for instance, are rock solid. Um, and so for the, that reason, I tend to stick with um, Google's services whenever possible. Uh, here's the thing that's really annoyed me. They, they mention in this article, in a, in a little notice change to the latest version of the iPhone operating system, iOS 14, Apple has begun to show its own search results and link directly to websites when users type queries from its home screen. So I've learned since upgrading to iOS 14 not to click the first results when I'm searching uh, for something, for instance, in Safari, because what Apple has started to do is bypass Google, and the first result, and it's usually a larger, and it has like a, a an icon next to it, like the Wikipedia icon or the website that it's linking you to icon. And what happens is I can't just snap back to the search because it was it, it, I, yeah. there was no search to snap back to. It's just giving me a one result, and I go to it. And usually when I do a Google search, I want to look at the top results and see like the rankings and see oh that mm-hmm. one's more. And so I've learned to start avoiding that first result, and it's a worse experience because Apple never almost never gives me quite what I'm looking for when I'm doing that search in the Safari address bar. And the way I'm used to using my browser back from you know from Android from iPhone before. And and then before iOS 14 is when I'm searching in the ad, in the Omni bar address bar slash search bar of of Safari or my browser, then I can hit enter and go straight to the results on Google search. You know, and that's Apple's trying to hijack that, and I don't like it, <laughs> and it's not that mm. good. And I just don't I don't think that Apple needs to be in every space. And and I thought they had realized that themselves. And for instance, they got out of the um, uh, router business. And that, that's just an example. It's a it's a off the wall example, but like it seemed like Apple had been like, okay, we don't need to be in every space. Let's stay in the spaces we're good at. And I just don't see that they have anything to offer here. Hmm. Yeah, you're onto something. But they do have other things. They have the Apple accounts that you can get for your privacy, and you don't have to think about your keychain. And then they have Apple Card. They're into whether you like it or not. They have the Apple One, which just released. What was it yesterday? Uh, for all of our subscription services. So Apple clearly, it's one of those messy periods of their history where they could do anything they want. They have all the money in the world to throw at any problem they want. And when we see something like the bad keyboards on MacBook Pros, we say, Apple, why didn't you throw more money at it faster to solve a problem and get it done so much faster than you did? But then we think about something like 
search. And I think what Apple would say about why they got into it was about privacy and security. And they would talk about, you know, all your information is being sold, whether you like it or not. You have no idea how many examples of people are following you and you don't know what they're doing with all of your information, but we want it to be secure. And so it's so oxymoronic that Apple is constantly advertising that the iPhone is the most private and secure device ever, but then something as powerful as search on a continual basis is defaulting to something like Google search. So if they wanted to provide a better alternative, then you go to something like DuckDuckGo or Bing. <laughs> so, which is kind of funny because Apple has no control over those. And if you bring up DuckDuckGo to most people, they will say, what, what in the world is DuckDuckGo? And why is it, uh, that, search engine called DuckDuckGo. That, that doesn't make any sense to us. So it, it gets into a zone where Apple can say, and now what we're introducing is Apple's answer to search. And then you've got this idea that they can say it's totally private, more, more private than it has ever been before. And it's so fast and it's ubiquitous. You can get to it through Siri anywhere you like. You know, and you're right. It would not have the uh, conveniences that Google Search already has today. But I could totally yeah. see why they would go there. Well, it would solve. I'll give them this. It would solve a problem where a lot of people are talking about how hypocritical it is for Apple to be talking about Google and privacy on the one hand, and yet accepting all of Google's money to still be the default search engine for Safari. <laughs> and and they do. There's there's a lot of money that Google hands over to Apple just to maintain the default search engine status in oh, iOS. That's so and dirty. and I I get that. I don't. It doesn't bother me because I like Google and Google Search, and I don't find Google nearly as creepy as most people. And in fact, I I can I tend to argue that people don't want what they think they want, and that tailored search results. I, well, I think I've talked about this on this show before, so I don't need to go into it. But but, but say anyway, again. I, I want to understand again why don't you think that Google is creepy? Because Google is literally just applying an algorithm to make your life better. And sure, it hel it helps Google, but it also helps you because it knows you know as long. And of course, you can go in and lock things down. You can browse in private mode. You can tell Google not to do this. But in general, if Google, if you're logged into Google account and it knows who you are, it's going. Oh, he did that. He's probably more interested in this. So there's algorithms that determine you know that that you are interested in X, and it makes your life better in general. I think the example that I used last time was I don't need feminine products marketed to me the way my wife <laughs> would, for instance. Like, and Google knows that about me, and it's just a really broad generalization. But, but in general, like, for instance, when I search for something, a term that could also be used as a sports ball thing, like Google probably knows that I'm just not interested in sports, and so probably other results would be more relevant to me. That sort of thing. Like, I think it's it's a quality of life improvement that people don't think about. And all they think about is, oh, Google has all my information. No human being over at Google is going through your information going, oh, look, TJ Draper's into da-da-da-da. It's like, that. no, the machine, the algorithm is making determinations. And and I guess the average person may not know. I, I use, Okay, so I use this trick all the time. If I'm Googling for something and maybe I want to see what an average search result might be like. I'll turn on my VPN and I'll open a private browser so Google has no idea who I am. And then I'll Google it and see. So you can also kind of get around these things as well. I, I don't know. I, it just doesn't bother me. Okay. 
Fair enough. And you're not wrong. A lot of this stuff is very practical and you can take advantage of the way that it is catering to you and knows you. And you're, I, you're, you're probably right. Nobody at Google finds you so interesting that they want to be on top of who TJ Draper is. No, th- th- that is so weird. Like by now you would already have a major court case. If that was the case For that sure. would have already developed and it would have already been something to arise yeah. on the same, on the same <laughs> concern, TJ, I gotta tell you, it's kind of weird. Uh, I know this is off of the uh, topic and what, out of everything that we have in the outline, but I got to ask you, what do you make of this situation? In the last few days, I mentioned to my wife that I would like to get a new desk chair. And then uh, we, the re- what brought it up was that I visited the office to get some something uh, over there, some supplies. And I wasn't working there that day. I just had to grab some supplies. And while I sat at my desk, I was horrified to discover, oh man, this desk chair at the office, I forgot how bad it is. The one I have at home is better than this. And I was thinking about replacing the one I have at home. And so I mentioned this to my wife and we didn't do anything on our devices to search for chairs. But then the very next day, Instagram is advertising chairs to me. Um, I'm assuming no, nobody, nobody did a search for chairs. You're to sure. her knowledge and my knowledge, neither of us did a search for mm. chairs. I'm not so, sure I believe you. How else would, that, how else no, would it know? That, I don't know. So at that point, I have looked at those advertisements because I'm in, I am interested. And they actually showed me some interesting chairs. And I'm not opposed to them showing those chairs to me. But it is weird that I got those ads. And I, I really don't think that I was searching for chairs. So I'm assuming I'm the only shopping. devices you have in your house with microphones are Apple devices. So All of them. Yeah. If if you <laughs> think that they heard you, then your assumption has to be that Apple isn't as private as they think they are or that they say they are. Yes. I and I I'm not well I'm actually like I'm skeptical of Apple in a lot of ways, but I'm not willing to believe that they would they would let that happen. So I feel like you've given mm-hmm. some other signal somewhere to the algorithms that you're looking for a desk chair. I don't know what or where. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I certainly I can certainly tell like my ads change when I get interested in a thing. I'm I'm re I, if I start doing research for uh I for for instance I just bought a treadmill. It's not here yet, but I just bought a treadmill because winter is here and I hate running in the cold and the wind and it's just really hurting my lungs. And so I have a treadmill on the way. While I was doing research for treadmills, all of my ads were for treadmills <laughs> everywhere I went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I was giving all kinds of signals that I was interested in treadmills, you see. Mm. So I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, and for what it is worth, I'm not complaining about the ads because I am looking at these and I, I saw some interesting chairs. I'm I yeah. am in the market, so I can't. Yeah, really I've definitely complain. done that too. I've I've seen ads for something like, oh, I didn't know that existed. I'll I'll, I'll put that in my to do list and check it out later. Uh, I've definitely done that. So mm-hmm. what do you do for a chair? Well, do you have Okay, go ahead. Oh no, no. Uh chair. Um so my you are asking about my desk chair? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you do for a desk chair? Do you have anything you like? So um, at the first company I was ever employed at, there was one office chair that they had gotten for like the primary editing station that I really liked. And um, when it um, when the company sort of started going under, I sort of got the office chair. (laughs) 
And um, that's the chair I have to this day. I really like it. I don't know what brand it is. I know no, don't know much about it. It's still a huh. really good chair. I, I find it very comfortable. Uh, I find it has a nice range where I can sh- get just where I need in the height area. Uh, you know, get get it just the right height. And um, yeah, I I really like it, and I don't know much where it came from. <laughs> I don't know who you know the boss at uh, my boss at the time ordered it, and you know back in the day, back in probably two thousand six or seven or eight, maybe. And oh. uh, yeah, I still got it. Still really good. Well, good for know. you. Yeah, I, w- uh, I wish I could say that I've had that kind of luck with chairs. Yeah. So that leads us into diet, health, and exercise, which is ostensibly the main topic. But I feel like we'll be able to cover this in like 10 minutes. So Okay. Um, yeah. Let's give it a shot. Yeah. So what kind of sparked this for me is the the whole premise of this podcast is living a hi-fi life or a high-fidelity life. Like we – you and I, Joe, we enjoy in – our, in our different ways, we enjoy quality, right? We enjoy – our life having a sense of high quality to it and and we we enjoy things certain things and we don't enjoy other things mm-hmm. for me i've noticed um a problem with my health as i've been getting older oh i i'm i'm a very short person joe as as you know you've met me in person and you're a very tall person so that that kind of changes our outlook but but as a as a short person i've uh had trouble managing my weight over the years and um more recently Uh, I've gotten somewhat serious about health before, and then it's sort of slacked off and fallen by the wayside. And more recently, I've had some pretty severe health challenges, and I've been into the doctor about some things. Um, Mm. I'm having an autoimmune disorder problem (laughs) and uh, various things, and the doctor has told me, you must improve your diet and you must lose weight if you want to have a high-quality life going forward. So that's what sparked this conversation for me. So I've been doing a lot of talking. Okay. What if what what do you how do you feel about diet, health, exercise, getting older, all this stuff? Well, I do prefer to to give that a, a good deal of attention. I, I I cannot say that I'm on a health kick. I am not religious about eating greens and well, watching my carbs and uh, controlling how much alcohol I have in a week. But I do, yeah, within moderation, you know, within reason. And I do think that all of those things are important, even down to a few years ago, over my 20s, my doctor was saying, hey, you got to get up from your desk. Even if you just can get up from your desk yes. about once half an hour, uh, take a few steps, go to the restroom, get something to drink, uh, pet the dog, go to the mailbox, whatever it is you can do. And then you know, take those uh, brief breaks to just stretch your legs because as a tall person, I have circulation issues. So I'm starting to have Interesting. Uh, just uh, uh, sort of like uh, vein issues in my legs mm. that, that are actually somewhat hereditary. And a lot of my Darnell relatives are tall too, tall men. My dad's mm. tall. My uncles are, were tall. And I'm the tallest among them. So I was going to say, you're the tallest brother of the Darnells. So I do get up from the desk about once every half hour and I use a timer on my phone to remind me to do that. Then I I do like the Apple Watch. uh, I do appreciate that it does the heart monitoring. I use it for the sleep tracking, but not, you know, I'm not watching that terribly closely. And anytime that I can use it for my fitness tracking, I'm really interested in that. And it's been highly motivating for me. And been using the Fitbot app to do workouts, and I I love that app so much. And I, I think that my wife wants to use it as well now. She's been going to the gym and doing her own routine, and she's starting to get bored. And the one thing I can say about the Fitbot app is you never get bored. So it's been interesting all along. 
And uh, I, I don't know what else to say, except that I do care a lot about this stuff. My doctor also had experience with uh, Apple products and other technology and says, be careful about having those electronics around you all the time because oh, they, wow. they could cause you eye fatigue and they could cause you... Um, another one was... Th- this actually came up on Equinox last week. Yeah, so I was this was listening. my Yeah. So the doctor was saying that you got to be careful about the frequencies of electronic devices because your body and the frequency in other electronic devices is different. But you're being a human being, your frequency in your body is the same as the current that runs through the planet Earth. Yeah. So if you, what I was having was a strange sort of feeling that at the time, I was not drowsy. I, you know, some people describe uh, having a mental fog. What I felt like was that there was a way in which my senses were not in sync with my brain. <laughs> and uh, she said, you know what? It sounds like an electrical problem. So I, I took my sh- socks and shoes off and I stood on planet Earth you know, barefoot a few minutes a day. I could not tell that anything changed, yeah. but to be honest, I I can't really put my finger on what was bothering me, and I I, I, I it's sort of like saying I don't feel mentally alert. That that's what it, it's like. I don't feel like my my mind is entirely connecting with my senses alertly. So mm. it could just be an issue with sleep because I get I get enough sleep, but maybe it's not quality sleep. So, yeah, I, I won't go too far down the rabbit hole of debunking all of this frequency stuff. Like I, that, that stuff mm-hmm. that's been debunked a number of times, there's nothing to it. It's, it's nonsense. 5G did not cause COVID. Take, take off your tinfoil hats. Um, however, there is something to, and this is not, this is really not in dispute. There is something to spending your, you know, keeping your eyeballs focused on, the things right in front, you know, a, a couple of feet in front of you all day long, not even a couple of feet, maybe, maybe a foot and a half. I'm, I am from my screen right now. So there's definitely something to that. And, and that is more like a problem with eye strain and just general mental fatigue. Um, and so definitely taking a break from your computer and looking outside for a few minutes and then spending time outside and running and focusing on things more distant. And, and so there's definitely something to that. Um, but as far as the frequency stuff, it's been debunked a number of times and it's nonsense. So, (laughs) um, however, however, um, one of the things that I've, uh, I've had a problem with, uh, for a number of years is weight gain. Um, and unfortunately it comes from the fact that I spent, uh, my entire teenage life working really hard physically on a farm. And I would eat whatever I wanted. And if I was out and about, I would stop at McDonald's and I would stop at Hardee's and I would eat at Pizza Hut and I'd go out with friends and I'd have a lot of sugars and, you know, uh, candies and, and just all kinds of things. But because I was working hard and because I was young, oh, and I drank a lot of Mountain Dew and sometimes Dr. Pepper, lots of it. And because I was young and um, because I had a good metabolism and because I was working really hard, it didn't really, at least at that time, affect me. I'm sure eventually I would have noticed, even working hard, I would have noticed the problems. But because I then went to a more sedentary lifestyle, working at a desk, um, I quickly put on weight. I'll put in the show notes uh, something I posted, and I'm just kind of ashamed of it, but I'm also kind of spreading it to help me like remember why I'm doing what I'm doing. <laughs> um, there's a picture of me with pretty heavy. I was about 245 pounds. Right now I'm 197. Um 
And uh, that has taken a lot of hard work to get here. Congratulations. um, That's awesome. Thank you. Um, I'm actually up. I I had gotten down to 170 for a very brief period of time. I got down to 170. Uh, My current goal is 160, and it is coming off slowly but surely. Um, but, but because I've been having these health challenges, it's just become imperative that I do so. So the first thing that I did, uh, so, so the picture that I'm going to put in the show notes of me being 245 pounds versus me at 170, um, Mm -hmm. uh, the first thing that I did when I realized at that, it was around 2011 or 12 when I started realizing, man, that something's got to change. I cut out all sugars and soda. Well, all sodas. Let's put it that way. Not all sugars. I cut out all soda, which was the bulk of the sugar that I was consuming, and just the high fructose corn syrup and and all these things. And that had a a couple of impacts on my life. Uh, first of all, the the most immediate impact was um, I got a really bad headache and couldn't work for. Well, I couldn't work on one of the days. I had a really bad headache for three days. I was so addicted to the to the sugars and the caffeine. Ooh, and wow. I I had tried over the years to like slowly cut it out, and I never could. So I just had to cold turkey. It's like I realized I'm not going to cut it out unless I do it. Um, and I don't like the feeling of being addicted to anything. So that was I, I immediately lost about uh, within a span of a couple of months of cutting out soda. I lost about ten pounds just just by doing that. Um, so, but then, you know, I did not get real serious about losing the rest of the weight until a few years ago. And then I started going to the gym every day and mostly I was on the treadmill, um, and, uh, or, or the, um, uh, what's that thing? The elliptical elliptical. And that's how, yeah. So it's mostly cars for me. What I found, cause I've also done like weight training and stuff and I've done various combinations of things. And what I've found is that it has to be both cardio, not just not lifting weights, although lifting weights is fine, but you have, I have to do cardio and I have to eat right <laughs> or, mm, or, the, yeah. or I'm just not going to be in good shape. Um, yeah. And so right now, because I've been to the doctor and I had been slacking off and things have gotten pretty serious again and, and in a medical way, I have gotten very serious. So right now my diet consists of lots of fruit and vegetables um, and uh, almost almost no – if I can avoid it, I don't eat any wheat-based products at all. Um, I'm not allergic to it as far as I know. It's just, you know um, – yeah, it, it it just it causes me problems in terms of weight gain, and um, we can go. I don't want to go into the details of you know people I've known who've gone to other countries and haven't had problem with wheat, but they have problem with wheat here. I, I do think there's a problem in the United States with with our food products. Um, I'm avoiding anything with processed sugars and 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 ingredients that I can't really understand or read. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm trying to eat like real foods. Um, eating a lot of fish, salmon. Um, Meat Good. in general Good. that doesn't have a lot of stuff in it, and that that seems to be helping a lot. I feel better. I I also discovered I have a lactose intolerance, which oh. I actually discovered that a couple of years ago, and I've, so I've been using lactate. But but even with lactate, which is supposed to help you digest lactose, um, and even most people when they have lactose intolerance, they can still eat yogurt. And I had been making yogurt smoothies because yogurt's supposed to be really good for you. It's supposed to have these you know live cultures, and I make sure I get yogurt with live cultures. Yeah. It's supposed to be good for the stomach bacteria. But I finally had to cut it out, and when I cut it out, I found that I felt, started feeling better and started having less bloating and just general problems with my digestion. So interesting. Yeah, I just yeah, I, I'm so lactose intolerant now that I can't I can't do that. So yeah, I've been running and working out a lot, and um, I don't know. We'll see where this goes, but just in terms of living a high quality life, mm-hmm. um, yeah. there are things that I miss. I really miss pizza, and and I don't want this to be like. I'm going to do this forever and never eat pizza again. Like I'm planning right. on taking a day off for Thanksgiving because, you know, and certainly Christmas and sometimes I'm, you know, hopefully in the future when I've lost all my weight, I'll have pizza again once in a while. But 
it's got to be a different lifestyle for me. And I, hmm. I, I hate that. And I'm trying to figure out how to do this better with my kids, Joe, because I was just like w- the way we were raised. And I don't, I'm not blaming my parents for this. I'm just saying like, you, you kind of wish that they had taught you a thing or two. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess they didn't know either. I'm just not blaming them for that. But like, I'm trying to figure out how to transition my kids because I've sort of done the same thing with my kids until recently. And I'm trying to transition them away from the junk food. And like, honestly, we just really didn't do Halloween this year because it's just so like every year with, with, with the candies and stuff, it's just like the sugar high and they have candy for months and on weeks after that. And it's just like, man, it's so bad. And I'm trying not to be one of those killjoys, but at the same time, I'm experiencing serious health issues that are pretty much related to how I've abused food all of my life. So that's – I don't know what what I wanted to accomplish here in this section other than to talk about it and just to say I'm almost Good. 40. I'm having a lot of issues yeah. and I want to help people if I can. Yes. And it, it, though it's not necessarily the most exciting, but I think it's a very interesting topic is how much more Apple is considering health. The Apple Watch has made a huge difference. They're thinking yes. about it for that reason. And I think that this is because a huge generation of people that were young when they got started with computers are now older and they're trying to take advantage of technology and innovations to make these things work to improve their health. So I I will tell you, I'm I'm, I'm, uh, ring friends now that I have my Apple Watch with a couple of people. And that actually really helps because like on a day when I'm not able to close my rings – I, I feel like, oh, they're going to see that I didn't close my rings. And like, I don't know if you're looking or not, Joe, but like, I'm just like, ah, I got to beat them. I got to do it. <laughs> and so even like last night, even though it was a Sunday, um, and usually Sundays are hard for me to get any workout in because we spend a lot of time with folks at church and, you know, then there's family stuff going on. And like, so last night my wife and I said to my wife, let's go on a walk. And, and so it was really good because we actually had, had a chance to talk for a, an hour without the kids. We just, you know, yeah. left them at home with my oldest son and, and, uh, we went and took a walk. And I got all my rings closed and we had a great time, you know, discussing things. So uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a lifestyle change and the Apple devices have definitely, like the watch has definitely helped me keep that up because I look at my rings and I go, I haven't stood enough today. I should raise my standing desk and stand up, um, and stuff like that. So it's, it's definitely, definitely a, a thing that has been helpful. Hmm. What, Excellent. What, Glad to hear one it. One of the things that related to like diet and age or related more to age in general is just I, – I wonder, Joe, if you've had the same experience um, where, you know, at least for me, I feel definitely less healthy and I'm trying to get back to a healthy place. But in terms of me like living in the world and, and my work and, and, ha- and among my peers, I feel more confident than I ever have. I used to be like this, re- I don't know what people think of me and am I doing it right? And I don't know. And, oh, I don't really know how to do that. And so I shouldn't try. And as I've gotten older, I definitely feel more confident in myself. I, I, have you had an experience like that? So when you're healthier, you feel better about yourself? No, this is unrelated to that. That's what I'm saying. This okay. is more about as I get older, I have less ability to do things, but I feel more confident. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I feel more confident in who I – maybe a better way to say it is I feel more confident in who I am and what I'm about and, and what I have to bring to the table. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can relate to that because I was just thinking about this the other day that nowadays I have as a cre- creative professional more than 15 years of experience doing things for video and audio and graphic design and product creation and uh, web web development. So it's not as much development, but as design. But 
it, yeah, it, it makes a huge difference to all of my my knowledge base. Uh, of you know, when you're younger in your twenties, DJ, did you have the experience that you should listen to more audiobooks because you had quit listening to books at, or reading books since you had finished school, and you realized if you were going to be uh, if you're going to have half of a brain uh, by the time you were 35, you had better start reading more. Then, I, yes, yeah. I still experience that. <laughs> I listen to audiobooks all the time. And I, honestly, it is one of the great disappointments. It's, it's because I love books. One of the great disappointments of my adult life is I'm too busy to read. And so one way, one of the ways I found to redeem that is when I'm working out, I will be listening to audiobooks or podcasts. Um, and we've talked about my uh, methodology for that before, so I won't go into that. But um, yeah, it 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 it's something that I've turned into a yeah. I wish I could sit down and read, and I do read to my kids uh, most nights uh, from one of their books. But I wish I had more time to read, and so I find audiobooks instead to fill the time while I'm working out. But the good thing is, is that now that you've been reading more often for the last several years since picking up something like audiobooks, you feel better about yourself. And you, you get to the point where you feel more confident about the knowledge base that you have acquired over the years. You can look back at all the various things that you have heard about and you've poured over. I, I actually, sometimes I find the books to be so interesting. I practically go back and take really detailed notes about what I'm listening to in an audio book over in Bear App because I want to refer about those things as I am maybe instructing the kids and introduce some ideas to them that I learned from a book. So one of the things they tell you is that the best way to learn anything is to teach it. So I, I found that to be the case for me is that if I am introducing these ideas and concepts to my kids, that it helps me to figure them out so much better by talking about them and making sure that I understand them by verbalizing them myself to the kids. So mm. if there's an idea I really like from a book, then I want to want to take notes about it and then share them with the kids. And then I know I actually know something. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's a show, Joe, don't you? Mm-hmm. It is. It's been a good one. Great to catch yeah, up. I think so. Good week. Yeah. Are you nervous about next week? Are you worried about the end of the world anymore? I mean, no. I feel bad for all the listeners. This is the, this is our goodbyes. You know what? I, I don't talk about this too much on my podcast, but I probably should because I am a, a believer in, in Christ and I don't think that anything is going to happen that's not supposed to happen. So I'm not mm. worried about the end of the world. Uh, it either is or is not the end of the world and that's in God's hands and I'm going to live my life uh, the way he's called me to do it. So that's pretty much it and I <laughs> don't have to worry. I'll, I'll do what I'm supposed to do. I'll vote the way I feel I'm supposed to vote, but other than that, it's out of my hands. So yeah. And no matter what happens, the best is yet to come. Yeah, for sure. If you're not a believer and you're listening to this episode, um, that's fine. I I just, that's, that's my position is I'm going to do what I can to make the world a better place. And that's all I can do. And so there's no use fretting over it. Yeah. So that's the show. Um, We will next week be talking almost certainly uh, about the Apple event. So we'll record a day later than usual. Uh, Joe, I'm assuming that's okay with you. (laughs) It is fine by me. I'll let uh, Dr. Carter know so that we can swap days. Yes, for sure. So uh, if you want to find, carry on this conversation with us, Joe, where are people going to be able to carry on this conversation with you? I am JCS Darnell on Twitter, and that is where I'd prefer for you to find me. And I am TJ Draper Pro on Twitter. You can tell me uh, all about how I'm not doing my dieting and exercising right. Please uh, email Joseph. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can find the show notes for this episode at nightowl.fm slash hi-fi slash eight. That's the show. We'll look forward to talking about the Apple event next week. Mm-hmm.
I wish we had had more time to discuss the health issues. Uh, I'm sure we'll bring it up as the something is sparked in the future some more. I didn't really have much more to say. Mm-hmm. Um, did I you? wanted to touch upon the uh, habits versus goals. Do you have any opinion about that? Do you prefer prescribe to one modus operandi? I'm a very goal-based person, but I find habits mm. a good way to get to goals. Um, yes. So, and that was really my problem when I um, when I got so I got down to 170, which was my goal. Um, this time my goal is 160, but I got down to 170 and I, oh, I hit my goal. I can relax for a minute and I never unrelaxed. And so I <laughs> yeah. did, I did not keep my habit. And this time I've realized I have to continue with the habits I have. And that's why I, and part of it is too, every time, like the last time I did this, I did it over all of the spring and summer and fall. And then it got too cold and I just, you know, it couldn't, and it just fell off and I just did not pick up exercising again after that. So that's, that's why that's what tr- I was going to recommend. Basically, what you just described was when I realized that I wanted to make a habit of going to the gym no matter what for my health. I didn't want to set a goal like I want to lose weight or I want this much much muscle mass or I want to be able to lift you know X pounds or run a marathon, which are all fine goals. But I think that as a human being, whether I have a goal or not, I want to be exercising till I cannot exercise anymore because it's going to improve the quality of life. So I shouldn't be thinking about the goal necessarily so much as about the discipline of doing the habit of getting to the gym and doing something. So it has made a huge difference to me mentally when I said, you know, Let's not have the debate in my in my head of will I or won't I go to the gym today? I don't know. Do I feel like it? Well, I'll feel bad if I don't. <laughs> got over that when I or got over that hump when I just told myself, you know what? You've got a habit. You're going to the gym. When do you go to the gym? Three times a week. The best days of the week are Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You're going. Am I going to go? No, you're going. Uh, well, what if I really don't want to? No, you're going. <laughs> yeah, you, this is what you do. And that has made it so much easier. That's the way I've been treating running and biking is when I get off work, I go run or bike. I alternate days. So six days a week, I'm there. I'm doing it. And whether I want to or not, whether it's been too cold or not, I go do it. And that's, you know, I've been consistently dropping weight slowly but surely, you know, tens of pounds at a time. But I'm I'm down from I'm about down about 14 pounds. I'm down to 197. Um, and when I started, I was 14 pounds heavier. So, you know, it's, and that was a little over a month ago. So try not to drop too fast. But at the same time, I'm yeah, good riddance, yeah. good riddance. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> the weight, cool. no, no boy, no. So, yeah. um, yeah, I'm, yeah. And, and so, like I said, it's, I don't think it's either or with goals versus habits. I think it's both. Yeah. Um, and you gotta, you gotta stay in that mindset. And, and like I said, I think loosening it up a little bit once I hit the goal is fine, but you can't stay loosened up and it has to be a temporary, like we're today, somebody's birthday today. So I can have cake because I've worked really hard for a long time and now I can have some cake. And then I stop and make sure I get all rid of whatever bad effects that had. I get that back under control before I do it again, you know? Yeah. I okay. think that's, that's the way it, it has to be. 